Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Thursday. Uh, we are here. We have some things to discuss today. Uh, we're going to preview the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, we're going to talk about the four, well, actually more, uh, nominees for the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few other things. Well, as, as usual, we get started with the pre-show with Russ and as usual, we touch on either the NFL or baseball and we're going to touch on both today. Yeah, we'll go NFL first. Um, thought it kind of curious that the NFL not only canceled the hall of fame game, which I think is in late August, but also the hall of fame ceremony, they canceled all of it. And, and to me, that doesn't make sense because they originally announced it on the eve of the Super Bowl, right? And again, this is late August. If nothing else, you could do it, do it Zoom style and, and certainly pull it off and not have a problem. I get why Cooperstown didn't do it because that is something that is absolutely necessary to their lifeblood in that town. I don't think it's the same thing for Canton. I really don't. And well, I, I was going to say, um, and we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame in a little bit. Lanny McDonald, when he announced the uh, the selections did say that they weren't sure about what was going to happen in terms mm-hmm. of a ceremony. So I'm not going to criticize the NFL that much about the Hall of Fame well, they, ceremonies because they could very easily do what baseball is doing and move it to next year. Okay. But the game, right? But the so game. It was supposed to be the Steelers and the Cowboys, and they've canceled it. Yep. And finally, and, and I know I brought this up months ago, and I've been every month I've been saying it to you, finally – people have been questioning what is the NFL actually going to do to try and pull off games? Cause we don't even know their plan. Like, you know, they've already had guys basically come up with the virus for just showing up for OTAs. Mm-hmm. And that's not a lot of guys. So all of a sudden there's not a lot of confidence in this NFL season starting on time. Well, I, I think their plan is they have no plan. I think they're, yeah. I think that, I think their plan is, uh, we're probably going to play in front of no fans. And, you know, when you're in a training camp, you're isolated. I mean, you usually like I, I for, for example, like the Bills, they they practice, they they do their training camp at St. John Fisher College in Rod, uh, near Rochester. And I think they're staying in the dorms there. So, I mean, I would assume that they're going to test everybody. Well, we they, don't know that. Like, they, we don't know that. Yeah, I mean, they haven't come out with a structure. They haven't come out with a, a hard and fast plan. But I, honestly, I'd be shocked if they delay the season because, they, you know, I mean, they 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 don't have the luck. I mean, yes, they can play in all kinds of weather. That's the that's true. Okay, but, go ahead. Here's how uninformed I think the NFL is. So what's being written? Pro Football Talk wrote today that some NFL cities may have a bizarro game day experience with stadiums completely empty on the inside, but thousands congregating in parking lots to tailgate, to watch it on TV. Yeah. Talk about that while I move. Well, I mean, and you know, it's funny because put Buffalo in that instance, because many people believe that the, 
the party outside, the the drinking, the barbecuing, the you know I know the people joke about slamming people through tables. Um, you know all that stuff is more exciting than the game, and that's what a lot of people go for. But the problem is, is that that can very easily spread the disease as much as sitting in the stands next to somebody. So I don't think they're going to allow that. You know, they, but, but why is that idea even out there? Is the I, I don't question. know. That's that's idiotic. I mean, that's like I know. That's like being able to hold protests in a city square or having a, a political rally in a in a in a stadium. It's like both of them are stupid based on what's going on right now in terms of the the communicable disease that is going around right now. There's one more thing. So Andrew Brandt, who's pretty plugged into the NFL, his tweet is bad. His tweet, and it's not his fault. His tweet basically says. The NFL will do everything it can to trim around the edges, no workouts, training camp, preseason if necessary, to protect the season, time will tell. Right. Even he has no clue what the NFL is going to do. Right. And they've had months and months and months to do something and tell everybody what they're going to do. And so far, they have nothing. Honestly, I think they're like These I said, insiders. They don't know I, anything. I think their plan is to barrel right through. That's what I think, which is stupid. But I think, but we've never accused the NFL of being smart. No, that's true. Okay, you know. So speaking of not being smart, it looks like the Wilpons are finally going to have to sell the Mets before the end of the year because financially they can't afford it anymore. That is music to most Met fans' ears because we've been waiting for that day. We're not heartless. Look, whatever happened with Matt, you know, Bernie Madoff, that's on them because the Yankees didn't have the problem with Madoff because they knew enough to get out. The Mets didn't. They got greedy. Were, they in, it, were they in it at all? I Yankees? think a little bit. I think yeah. a little at the beginning, and then they got completely out early on because they, they sensed something or were told something where clearly the Mets went all in, right? But the Mets have done okay since the Madoff days, except for this year. Now all of a sudden it's hitting them hard again, and they cut like everything from SMY. And I mean everything, which is awful. Tons of jobs there. And now we're at a point where they're selling the team in SNY, but there may be entities that don't want SNY and don't care about it. And if that's the case, then that just may go under. You know, that just may be a situation where well, I saw I saw that the the price that uh, your long lost relative Steve Cohen was willing to pay for the, the the deal that was in place that ended up getting vacated was I think two point five or two point six billion, and right now the asking price is down to one point four. Now I don't know whether that is just the Mets or if it's the Mets and SNY, but when you lose a billion two in your asking price, that's a little bit of a haircut. A little bit. So, but the interesting thing is, so you know, Josh Harris, Howard Blitzer, who own the um, the Sixers and and the Devils, seem to be the leading bidders right now at one point four billion. And right now, they are not including SMY because we know they have their own plans for their own sports network. Right. And while you know J Lo and A Rod and the Vitamin Water guy and whoever else they've suckered in. The my pillow guy's got to be in there too, right? No, he's not. Shut up. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you know, Josh Harris could easily walk away with the Mets, and then who knows what will happen with the other teams? Because I think he'll start to sell some of those other entities because that's what he's been in it for this whole time is to sell. But 
the Mets now will be an interesting thing because they're a New York market team. And right now with the market being down, this is where a guy like Harris kind of swoops in. While Cohen was originally a guy we, we you know we looked at, I don't know. I don't know if I completely trust his worth and everything else as the ownership. So believe it or not, Harris may be the best bet. And I know other people are always going to be skeptical, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But it's interesting because at least this could be a nice little New Year's Eve present where we find out that, yes, the Mets have been sold. And you could almost tell me it's anybody, Genghis Khan, and I'm probably going to be happy. Well, the, like I said, this late bid is going to be the guy, the the untuck it guy, and the and the my pillow guy. <laughs> I don't think they have the resources. Two, two, two of the most unpopular people. I mean, I, if I had a dollar for every untuck it commercial and my pillow commercial that I've seen since the pand since the beginning of the shutdown, uh, I'd be a millionaire. You know what? I've not seen any untuck it. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm not watching NHL Network. I haven't seen one. Where are you seeing them all? Oh, on 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 Yes Network when I watch. Oh, on Yes, see, yeah, I haven't seen one. Okay. No, no, no. The NHL Network is the Addiction Network, right? Or, yeah. or Geico, or uh, yeah, uh, the the one with the opera singer. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah I you know. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, which, which I mean, talk about talk just to just we're delaying here for a minute because Zach is gonna sign on any second. Talk about a narrow a narrow advertising campaign. You're trying to find people who have settlements from insurance companies that want their money up front rather than paid over years, and yeah. they're basically going to give you a lump sum. That's who they're advertising to. How many people are, are like that out there? Not many. So what that it's like? We, I mean, gotta, that's what we think we you know the courts could be littered with those people. We don't know. Yeah, but we have to endure these friggin' bad commercials. My God, bad commercials have been around since the dawn of time, Mike. I mean. The, the funniest thing to me is always the Super Bowl because there's a rule with local networks. The big networks bid and, you know, they take up all the big primetime spots. But then, you know, like after the first, I want to say after the kickoff or whatever, you always get like one minute of local programming because it's like a law for whatever network has it and whatever local channels they're doing, like if it's NBC and so, like, you always see, like, a bad car commercial and a bad something that are obviously done at a very low, low cost. And you see that about two times during the Super Bowl. It's usually right before the Super Bowl is over and, and right before it even begins. And I just laugh at those because it's like, yes, you are advertising on the Super Bowl, but these some of these commercials, if I own a car dealership, unless I was a pro at doing it, I'm getting somebody else to do the commercial completely. I'm not getting family members and I'm not doing it myself because none of them are ever good. Yeah. Uh, just to tell people in the chat. Yes, this is a gray shirt, but it's a gray concert. shirt. No, no, it's gray. It's, it's, it's yes. It's from it's the Genesis a, tour, it's but it's old gray. Genesis t-shirt. You know, so I think it's from Oh nine. So you can tell it's worn. it's worn out. So that's um, from the Genesis Genesis album. No, no, this is, this was a, this is from the last tour, the last, uh, the reunion. Oh, oh, the reunion. Yes. Yeah, this is from oh, yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It, it was like the picture is the Abacab in, inside right. cover, but it was a throwback shirt, which it was nice. It was worth it was worth the forty dollars I paid for it. It was actually worth more than the concert that I saw. Will you stop it? The concert's good. I, I listen to it all the time. The concert was terrible. You're such a jerk. No. 
Jesus. You are. It's good. It wasn't good. You know, you got you to remember, folks. I saw Genesis in their prime, in their Phil Collins prime from 1978 when I was 11 years old to, uh, let's see, 1980. Well, actually, uh, I saw the We Can't Dance tour, but I'll I'll say the, the prime ended in, say, 83 before the uh, the the invisible, incredible, oof, invisible touch tour um, when they were great. And they, they were, you know, Collins was at his best voice and there was a really good band. They were tight. They, you know, they, the, the band was good in 09, but Phil Collins couldn't sing anymore. And that's why I, I just, I couldn't bear it. But Okay. It, but like, as an example, not every great Genesis song was made then on that tour. And I just listened to it last night. Like no son of mine is terrific. They did a great job with it. It was in a different key. It was in a different key, and not every, that much. Really, every, not that much. Yeah, every almost every song that they did had to be. All you follow key. me was in a different key. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was really. It was really terrible. Anyway, uh, X joining us any minute here. Uh, hello, hockey world. Today is Thursday, June twenty fifth, twenty twenty. I'm Russ Cohen, and I'm going to just endure Mike today. And I'm Michael Lagello, and I'm just going to endure Russ today. And this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Um, we'll start with the Hall of Fame because we talked about it the last couple of days. Wait, is this going to be – is this the Tampa Bay Lightning Hall of Fame or the Hockey Hall of Fame? Because on, on the text that I got, no, no, it no, seemed no. like we were talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning Hall of no, Fame. No, no, no. Mine was clear. I said Hall of Fame – comma will preview tampa bay and a couple other things it was act that lumped them together and like that's why you said chris grant <laughs> and i was like is chris grant getting in <laughs> and i'm like chris grant isn't even in the tampa bay hall of fame no way no. yeah just because he shut down eric lindros for six for games paid he is yes yeah i've never seen somebody get more legs out of shutting down a great player in one six game series and they a series that they lost than chris Gratton. He ended up going to three different teams after that because he was supposedly a shutdown matchup against Eric Lindros. Just just to bring up Chris Gratton for a minute to show people um, why I thought it was a funny post. How much do you think his career earnings were? Chris Gratton? Yeah. Oh, I'd say probably in the 35 to $40 million range. $28 million. Okay. One more. How many goals do you think he had? How many goals? 190, 200? Yeah, 214 goals. He was a half a point a game. Yeah. We're talking about Chris Gratton, who, you know, yeah. you clearly want to get into the Tampa Bay Lightning Hall of Fame. I'm kidding. Um, but I was saying, if you want to talk about somebody who one of the most overpaid hockey players ever, mm -hmm. he's made $28 million to be a half a point a game player with 214 <laughs> goals. Like, it's just unbelievable. It really yeah. I, I, I just said to Russ Ak, that uh, Chris Gratton turned one losing first-round series against Eric Lindros yeah. into a career because everybody said, oh, my God, this guy's big. He's fast yeah. enough. To yeah. No, you're right. And the Flyers bought that hook line and sing yeah. on the Flyers. And yeah. the Flyers, they also played a couple really good guys. I was thinking, Mike, it's really funny you say that. I was trying to think of, like, the, the you probably, like, Chris Gratton's fortune and fame can probably be drawn to, like, 10 games, something like that. You know, like you're really right. Like it, it's like, and a couple games he played against the Flyers where he was amazing uh, against Lindros. Like he yep. was like matching up against Lindros right. and did, and that like impressed the Flyers. Like, well, man, if someone can match up against Lindros, we need to get him on our side, that kind of thing. Right. So they can't shut him down, right? which, right. You know, 
Um, all right, let's we'll start with the Hall of Fame announcements. Um, all right, uh, you guys already entered the original. We already show. did the pre-show. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Welcome to Hockey Buzzcast. HockeyBuzz.com. Boom. Go. Okay. <laughs> um, we okay. We expect. Right, I want to explain one thing. One second. Sorry, sorry, Mike. Right, I apologize. You carry the ball. Go ahead. Let me know. <laughs> Thanks. I no, I, I, I'll let you carry the ball. You do an excellent job doing that. Um, with the news and everything like that, Mike is Mike is your MVP. Um, but th this is the whole thing I want to say is I'm sorry for being late. You know, like sometimes your uh, you know, your kids throw you some throw you a little yeah. right Anyway, that's what happened. So I apologize. We're good. Let's go, Mike. Start. Okay, the uh, the Hall of Fame class was announced yesterday. Um, now, not the Elmer Ferguson, not the um, um, the writer or the uh, the broadcaster. That's going to be announced uh, next Monday. But the class was announced, and two we expected: Jerome McGinla and Marion Hosa. Uh, Ken Holland was the builder. Uh, Kim St. Pierre was the uh, the uh, women's nominee. Or right. inductee, right. uh, but the other two of the four were uh, raised a bit of hubbub, and I don't see why. And I'll defend them. Uh, Kevin Lowe was one, and Doug Wilson was the other. And uh, I mean, Rock, if you want to start with the with the ones that we, you know, the the, the well, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, I mean, the ones. I mean, Hosa, Hosa does obviously. He was he was key to a couple teams. He was like the last. He was like the Butch Goring. I mean, yeah, but was he key? Like, here's my problem with with Hosa. He was the third, fourth, or fifth guy you talked about on those teams. He was never the guy. He's no. he's not even close to being a point of game player in the playoffs. By the way, not even close. Just, but he is. He is. Hosa is a really good two way player. Yes, he um, is. But I mean, I, mean, I, think, I think he was. I'm, I'm going to say this: that he was key to the first Penguin Stanley Cup. Like he was. I mean, for, well, the, no. I mean, he okay. He lost with Pittsburgh in 08. He right. lost with Detroit in 09. It was only when he went to Chicago. But he won with Pittsburgh first, didn't he? No, 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 no. no. He lost. But he, he, lost, he was on right. the side. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Hey, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and then right. and then and then he won in 2010 with with the Blackhawks and won three cups. My my what I said what I was tempted to say on Twitter yesterday was he was he had three cups with the. Uh, with the Blackhawks, and he went 0-4 against the Leafs in the playoffs. Right. Um, I mean, you know, he, up until he won the Cup in 2010, he had the reputation of being a choke artist. He was playoffs. a terrific player. I just didn't see yeah. first ballot and why the rush for him because – I'm 100% with you. Again, he didn't win the hardware and other than the Stanley Cups, which he did. But right. to me, he was – maybe on Pittsburgh, Mike, maybe you're right, but he was never the guy. No. Not even close, but that's I mean, what I – but yeah, he was he was he was number three behind Kane and Taves. But I have to say, he was an integral part of that team. I mean, I don't say I don't think he wasn't a star on their level, but he was that right. guy. He, he was the, he was on the power play. He mm -hmm. was on the ice when right. the game was close at the end. So I think his value. Yeah, he's a terrific player. I mean, I'm, I'm never gonna yeah. kill him. Play. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was a great player. He's, but you know, at the same time, I agree. I'm I'm like I mean, to put him in you know, before McGillney is ridiculous. Like, yeah, the McGillney thing, I just don't get. That I don't know. Understand it all. Like I, it, it's really, I mean, it's hard to understand that one. Because isn't Hosa still technically on some team? Well, roster? I think he's yeah. going to come back. I'm telling you right, right. I mean, now. I mean, he's on a roster somewhere. I mean, he is. He's like, on Arizona. He's on Arizona right now. And I, I, the Hall of Fame, and you're still on the roster. The Mew did it, but he had a disease. So that's, right. I mean, did, did anybody, that's so weird that he made it. I mean, think but about Hosa, it. Hosa's been medically ruled out because of the skin issue. 
until he's not, Mike. I'm telling you, oh, yeah, when you that contract be, is up. You may be right. Come back. Yeah. Hey, Guy, Guy Lafleur came back after he was a Hall of Famer, so it's possible. You just like, like really like superior players. We're talking about. I know, Mario, that's my about Mario Lemieux and Guy Lafleur there. Yeah. Be, I mean, that's my. That's my point. McGillney, I don't get now the the best to me the best story was the Doug Wilson one because. I we talked about him at length a year ago, yeah. and I made my piece. I sent out a tweet before we talked yeah. about it on the show. I re replayed that tweet um, yesterday because I didn't get why he was never in, right? But yeah. I sort of gave up hope. And clearly, when they called his house, his wife was shocked to the point where I think they were never thinking he was. They were thinking he was never getting in either. That's well, one of I mean, my favorite things when that happens, like as far as because, like you know, again, like, you heard like he was like driving in his car, but he was prepared to like be home, and it was you know, because yeah. people like don't know it's coming, but people who don't know it's coming, that's awesome. Like, and, right? Well, Doug Wilson, yeah. Leslie, we talked about Doug Wilson this year too, and we talked about the greatest defenseman for the Blackhawks. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, the, the the thing is, is that and somebody somebody thought I was being sarcastic when I when I tweeted this out yesterday. He had nine fifty plus point seasons. And in 1982, he had 39 goals, which is up there in terms of, you know, say the best offensive years since Bobby Orr. Right. There's coffee, there's him, and there's a few others. I mean, he was – and remember, he as much as Larmer and Savard uh, and that Al Secord line in the early 80s was the centerpiece, it was also Doug Wilson in that monstrous shot from the point. He was a dominating yeah. off offensive player from the blue line for a number of years, and I don't know why it was such a surpri surprise that he made it. Maybe the fact that he's been a quality general manager for you know twenty over twenty years helped. You know, was it a, was it a, like a Joe Torre thing, Russ? Where you know Joe Torre was a borderline Hall of Famer as a maybe. player. The fact that he won four World Series had put him. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, you look at it. He was three times in the top five for the Norris. Won it once. Like no, he, yeah. was, I mean, he was the one of the best defensemen of his era. No question. Yeah, that's the whole thing for right. his era. His brother now, his brother won all the cups. I get that. Right. right. But Murray Wilson. Yeah. Murray Wilson. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, obviously not half the player that Doug. No, Wilson. not nearly as good. This this was nice though. This was the best story, and I'll give you a quickie yeah. Doug Wilson story that was good. If Kevin Allen were on, he would laugh at this if he remembered. But in Pittsburgh, when San Jose was playing, the first day that they had like press availability, you know, before they open up that that area where everybody's sitting at their own little podium and you decide who you want to interview. Right. Right. They had the, you know, the, the coaches and GMs and Kevin and I are like, I see Kevin like downstairs and we're both like, Oh no, we're late and we're running and we're running and we're running to the point where we all of a sudden caught up to like Doug Wilson. He goes, Oh guys, we're not going to hold this without you. Yeah. No, he's not right. bad. That's very he's a guys. good guy like that. I will laugh if you know, Kevin's not here. Ha ha ha. Because I think that yeah. right. you're right. No, you're right. Cause Doug was really a good guy like that. Like a very yeah. unassuming character. Yes. Um, and very much aware of the media, which is yeah. which is interesting because the fact that he he really has had it incredibly easy in San Jose, yeah. Um, but he's done a good job too. Like I mean, there's I mean, and it wasn't until the San Jose owners got like the itch, like once the Sharks went to the Stanley Cup, it wasn't until that itch that Doug Wilson started to make moves that you could tell were not his doing, where he was right. signing longer because he was very good at cap management. Like oh, he, he was, was great at it. He's probably the best in the league, and that's why the Sharks were always contenders yep. you know, every year. And, and you know, they, they fell apart, but not, nothing to do with the group, nothing to do with what Doug Wilson did. I mean, Wilson put that team together to succeed, and that team should have success, should have had success many more times than they did. 
Yeah. Um, but then after that, after that happens, you know, suddenly the Vlasic deal and all these things happen, you know, that are just, that are way, you know, they're paying because Wilson never paid for people's, for what people did, you know, like, yeah, that's like where, you know, you see other people have done that. Um, and that's usually what happens in the NHL. People get paid for what they did. Um, but the issue, there is a little bit of cronyism going on. I talked to some players yesterday here and that the, what they did. You're not going to say with Ken Holland, are you? No. Um, well, no. Um, but because I think he's a no brainer. Well, he is a no-brainer, and he does. I mean, I'm really happy for Ken Holland. Obviously, I mean, Holland deserves it, but I think that also, I mean, there's other people that I don't know. I, 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 no, I, just I, would, I would have said Bob Murray first, but anyway, okay. that's. But you know, and you, I would have put you Brian. Mean, you mean Brian Murray? Brian, sorry, Brian Murray and, oh, and Brian Murray and Brian Burke. I, I think both those. But well, I, I think I don't think Burke was ha was helped by the fact he's on the committee. Right, you know, no, that's he's, definitely, he's, he's on the committee, so how can he be not? You know that that would be the ultimate. And yeah. sort of well, the the interesting thing is, and again, we there's no transparency other than I think you have to have fourteen of the eight fourteen votes of the eighteen person committee, right? Right. right. If, since Burke is on there, he's already lost a vote because he probably can't vote for himself. And he would so probably and he would he would probably walk out of the room if somebody nominated him. And then right. if they turn if they turn him down, then he's gonna say, I hate all these effers because right. they just voted against me. So I, I I'm sure his name until he's not on the committee, his name won't yeah, but, but think out. about it, Eck. If you had um eighteen hockey buzz bloggers in a room <laughs> and you were voting on things. It would be hard to get a consensus. No, you're no question about it. It would be impossible. You know, I mean, it's, it's all should follow me, but <laughs> I mean, maybe we're voting about you. Maybe you're not even there. Consensuses well, are like, I mean, here's the thing. To me, okay. So the other, I mean, so so what is um, what did Doug Wilson and Kevin Lowe have in common? You know, like that, and that you both know, were, both were general managers after the careers. Right. And both have been like very active still. Like Kevin Lowe is still active. Yes. You know? Kevin Lowe is a very, um, very active guy. Well, okay, look, look, okay since we're now, I'm not going to say anything against Lowe because Lowe definitely got. No, no, no. Let, let me let me de let me defend him here because you know I I I think that that defensive defensemen are t are tougher to quantify than offensive defensemen. And if you're going to let Phil Housley in the Hall of Fame in terms of you know he never won a Stanley Cup. He was a brilliant offensive player. Uh, it took him years to be uh, not – well, I would say early in his career he was defensively inept. Later mm -hmm. in his career he, he learned how to play positionally sound, and he was a pretty decent two-way guy later in his career. Lowe was a shutdown defenseman in the Rod Langway mold from the very beginning. Right. And on a team like Edmonton who had a bunch of, you know, players who played with their hair on fire like Curry and Gretzky and coffee to have a guy who was a shutdown guy, uh, I think was invaluable. And I'm sorry, you look at the resume and the guy's got six Stanley cups and seven all-star appearances. I'm sorry. I don't know how he wasn't in before this. Well, here, here's my argument. And I, and I really do like Kevin Lowe and I don't want people to think anything other Otherwise, because, you know, he's part of the 94 Rangers, too. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is, I think Ken Morrow is better. And, uh, and again, Mike, when we were off air, Mike, give everybody an idea of what his first four or five years were like. Ken, Ken Morrow, um, in his the first four years of his hockey career, his professional career, won the most impactful Olympic gold medal in the history of, of sports. 
which was the 1980, at least in the U.S., the 1980 Miracle on Ice, and then won four Stanley Cup championships with the, with the Islanders. And here's so, the other thing. And in those years, he also had some key goals, even though he was not an offensive guy. More, um, Lowe has a lot more points. And he has more goals than Kevin Lowe in the playoffs. And they both played the same role. But every once in a while, Ken Morrow would get you a stinger. And they did it against the Rangers. He did it against a few clubs. I think he's better. I really do. And the fact that he is not in and Kevin Lowe is, that's my problem. It's not, it's not, it's not that Kevin Lowe's in. It's just that how can you keep this guy out if Kevin Lowe's in? Now, Ken, Ken Morrow, he, he, only play, he, he played four years at Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. uh, so he entered the NHL at 23, and he, he was his career was only 10 years, and he mm -hmm. only had 100. He only had 105 career points, but he's not that type of defenseman. The, the no. scoring on that team was done by Dennis Potvin on the blue line. So you know, I, I think eventually he could get in because four cups in four years—that's pretty damn good. Here's, and here's the interesting thing too. So he was a plus 142, right? Yeah. And and the Islanders were good most of those years. Low on the great. Edmonton Oilers, 156. So considering there wasn't a Gretzky after a while, like a Bossy and Trache wasn't – he wasn't there the whole time Morrow was there because Bossy got injured at some point. You know what? Those numbers are really comparable in, in every area that you'd want to – neither guy want a Norris. So, you know. Yeah. yeah I, I fight for Ken Morrow. There are eight – I was I'm trying to answer the question. I was trying to come up with the answer to the question that uh, Bob asked us here. I was trying to see how many there were. I found eight Oilers that are in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just it's an unbelievable amount. Uh, Gretz, Gretzky, Curry, Messier, Anderson, Coffee, Fuhrer. Right. Um, let's see here. Let's go to like, – go, go to – Go to the uh, – Yeah. Keep, I mean, I, I, the, the question I think he asked is, which is interesting. How low – that's is this the most? I, th I think this, and I think the only, I think the only other Oiler I could find that's in the Hall of Fame would be Pronger, who was like just an Oiler temporarily. Yeah, but that's right. So I would say I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking. If we're, I don't if think we're, there is a team with more, more, more like a single. No, but, but just to give you an example where Morrow should be in, right? Here are the Islanders in from their heyday team: Pat Van Trotje, Bossy, Smith, and Gillies. Yeah. Right. And and maybe and I agree I do agree with what Larry Brooks put out there yesterday. If yeah, maybe Goring should be in. Goring should be in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but think about that eight players from from a team eight players like, from like a twenty one man roster that skated on the ice. Let's just say that more. That's, than that's like that's a that's more than thirty percent like roughly in the post expansion era. That's yeah. probably the most because I think like those Detroit Red Wings teams with yeah or some of those Sawchuck and Red Kelly and Howe and Lindsay. Yeah, you know, I mean everybody you know everybody on those teams that was good was in the hall is in the hall. Of is fame. there anybody else from the Oilers team now that we could think of that should be in the Hall of Fame from, from that team? From that team, I mean, they're probably gonna have Tegan and I don't think Tegan. No, there. no, not Tegan. Now let me ask this dumb question but it's not really that dumb of the 18 panel panel at the hall of fame. I wonder how many are Oilers. Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, to finish my, to finish, I don't know, to finish my thought on the other thing though. And I can try to find that out, but to finish my thought on the other thing that, you know, that some of these guys are getting in, we all say, you know, Kevin Lowe deserves being, yeah, he does. I mean, I'm not, I don't think anyone who gets elected to the hall of fame necessarily, you sit there and say they're not a hall of famer. I mean, well, there's, there's two or three, I would say. Yeah, I mean, the question is because the, the the bar is just so frigging high, you know, and it is, and, and but these, but you're you're definitely you're debating superstars versus superstars here. It's like 
these yeah. guys are all. I mean, Kevin Love. I've been watching a lot of. Um, I've I've probably seen more of the old Oilers in the last month that I was, that I remember seeing when they were actually live. Like they're on all the time on TSN and, and Sportsnet, stuff like that. And 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 look and looking at their roster in like mm-hmm. the late late eighties. I don't. I think I think that uh, that Low is the last one because. Um, Tekin, yeah. I don't think Tekinen will get in. I don't think Craig Simpson or Steve Smith or Charlie Huddy or McSorley. I don't think any of them will get in. I don't think Andy Moog or Bill Ranford will get in. Faithoffs, McTavish will get in. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, no. I'm just saying, you know, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not – I mean, so the other night, it was just uh, it was just last night. Gosh, man, the days blur together, don't they? Uh, I think it was last night. I'm watching um, the 1984 Stanley Cup Finals. Okay. Between the uh, Oilers and the Islanders, right? And uh, what a great! I mean, talk about an awesome Stanley Cup final. I mean, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you, the, the Islanders are, have already won what four Stanley Cups at that point? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Eighty-one, Okay, yeah, because they won four in a row, and then the Oilers yeah, yeah. win four out of five, right? So, right. Um, so you're talking about like two dynasties clashing right against each other like that they can't get any better than this it's like this is like what we the Stanley Cup final we never saw that I would have loved to have seen you know, we couldn't see it because it would have been like the Blackhawks versus the Kings right in the middle there you know right. like that kind of thing like it's just like this so watching this you know and I'm, I'm I'm sitting there with the kids and it's blurry as hell because it's you know the old oh thing. yeah the kids are like oh I can't what's wrong with the television you know the kind of thing I'm like yeah well this is how it used to be guys but um <laughs> you know and it's boxed off in a square yeah. like and I'm like, but look at Wayne Gretzky. Watch Wayne Gretzky. I'm like, just like I want you guys to see like what he was and how he could, how he played and how he made the people around him better. And it was just like, even my kids, like they totally got it. I mean, he just made he made moves that that you see like a lot of players making now. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, he looks like a player from now, from transported back to then. And I said, yeah, that's because the players now learned how to do that because of him. We know right. that, that he started a lot of those, and a lot of those moves are, you know, like the the famous like deep to your forehand move. Which, if you remember, that that was not something you saw often on breakaways. People would the deke the deke tended to be your backhand, right? And it was like, but he he actually like carrying it to your forehand as far as you can, getting the goalie out and putting it in. That's like that you know we think about Forsberg doing that. Gretzky did that too, you know. It's like, I mean, so watching that, it's so much fun to watch that game and watching that when I was looking at the Islanders too and who were the best Islanders in the ice. Um, so Billy Smith's not in the Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. Oh, he is. Okay, he was right. Um, the guy who I know, I know, will never be in the Hall of Fame, but really was like good enough to be on the, in the Hall of Fame. It was John Snelly. Like, there's, there's no, there's no getting around. Like when I'm watching, he was good. Guy, he wasn't good long. He was really good all around. Yeah. In '84, in that series, in the, when I'm watching, I watched two of the games. So they played like three of the games in a row. I watched parts of two of them. Um, Snelly was like one of the best Islanders on the ice. Um, maybe he was, you know, maybe some of the other guys were getting older a little bit or whatever. But he was definitely phenomenal i mean that's just like but yeah that oilers team and then i also watched kevin lowe because i'm you know we well actually you're, you're i think you're leaving out an islander yeah. who i think was way better than tonelli was bob Bourne. if you look at the yeah born was good totals and the speed he had he like as a ranger fan he annoyed the hell out of me because he had a lot of big goals and he had he was like a point of game in 79 80 he was a point of game in yeah. 283 he had 28 points in 20 games like he had some big Stanley Cup runs. He really did. I remember him in Stratomatic, Mike. He's like a Stratomatic guy. He was like better in Stratomatic because he was good. Who, born? Bob, Bob Born, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh he was uh, he wasn't a four on defense. He was like consistently a three. 
and he always he scored shorthanded goals. So yeah, him, and, <laughs> him and Ander, Anders Caller were 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 great penalty killers. Now I'll give you know Tonelli, Henning too. Who I hated. Yeah, yeah. Tonelli had a hundred point season in '85, but and and had 836 yeah. career points, which is very good. And he was a member of all four of those cup teams. So <laughs> maybe it, maybe it's possible. He missed out on winning another cup with Calgary by a year. He went and yeah, right. to LA. But you know, he had a good good career and he actually played three years in the WHA before he played with the Islanders. So oh, really? he was yeah. a really good player. Yeah. I mean, watching him play and like if you watch that series, the Oilers are so fast. Like you obviously the Oilers are fast. And they're not there are some players in the Islanders that just can't do it. Like they can't play at that speed, but Nelly could. Like Tanelli was right there with him. Like Tanelli was he would look like he looked like if Tanelli had been on the Oilers. He'd be a Hall of Famer. That's what it looked like. Like when you think about it, you know, if he'd been on that team, playing with those guys, because he was, he was out skating his linemates quite often. That's another thing mm-hmm. you know when you watch old games. Is like, now we talk about it, like players can't keep up with their linemates. For the most part, players in the NHL can keep up with their linemates now. But there were some guys right in that era that were getting so much faster than everybody else <laughs> that that really was an issue. And you could see it with Tanelli. That was um, that was definitely the case. And I I remember hating Tanelli too. But I oh just, yeah. I don't remember him being as good as, as as good as he was. Just like yeah, and, oh, no, I do because I lived on the island. So yeah, and, and you got to remember those Islanders teams. Even though, uh, in like after their four cup years, you saw you know Lafontaine and Flatley start to come around as young yeah. players. Lafontaine was in this series, so Lafontaine's part of this right. In the series. But the, but but the pro but the problem is is that Trottier, uh started to slip at that point. He was, yeah. you know, his, you know, his prime was like from say seventy-seven to like eighty-three, and then he started yeah. to drop off. And you know, and he didn't have anybody to match up against Gretzky. And you know, at 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 his peak, he could. I mean, he yeah. was a gritty enough player. You know, Trache was Bob, very Bobby Clark like. He he was yeah. he was very skilled offensively, but he also had that meanness to him yeah. that could get it underneath the other team's skin. So yeah, I'm trying to think of a Trache type player that we have in the NHL now, like for people who are younger, because. It's like, I don't think there's anybody like him in terms of. Well, I, I think I think if Ryan Getzlaff had more points per game, he'd be that guy. <laughs> this this thing has been hanging up here for two weeks. Why would it just during the show decide to do this? That's Bad karma. comic relief. I think Ryan Getzlaff, even though he, you know he's bigger in stature, I think Ryan Getzlaff's game is similar. I think there's some similarities. There. I think offensively, the guy who matched up with Trache. Actually, it was the guy who was drafted first overall by the Islanders. Now it's Tavares, but Tavares is yeah. not is not a the, the, the type of defensive player and 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 sort of you know. I mean, I thought yeah. Trotty was borderline dirty. I loved him as a player. He was very very good. I mean, but- you talk about careers falling off. Like for Bossy in '86 and '87, for him to retire because of a bad back and only have 38 goals, like yeah. today's game, you'd say 38 goals. goals, but he was getting in the 60s. Yeah. Now he was very he was very clerical. We don't have like those kind of forward. Mike 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 Bossy scored fifty goals every year except his last year. Yeah. I'm but telling you, I, my I, nightmare I my nightmare would be to wake up and I would read Newsday and be like Bossy two goals. All right. I try and get to something else because yeah. the Rangers are buried in the paper, right? Yeah. Bossy three goals. Bossy yeah. four goals. You know, it's like, come on, man. It's just like and, and, it was and, unbelievable. And you know what, Russ? Around Buffalo, the the criticism was of the fact that um, the Sabers had the pick before the Islanders. Yeah, and they took Rick Sealing ahead of Mike. Not a bad player. He's a good player. 
Oh no, and and, and to, not uh, Crosby, obviously. I mean, to tell us that the the Leafs had two first round picks ahead of them. They took John Anderson and yeah. Trevor Johansson, and, and the Rangers took Ron Dugay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, okay. and a really good player, but and Lucy and Deblois. We got to talk a rumor, guys, because it's, it's yeah, yeah, okay. All right, we got to get in. That was a great discussion, though. I really, I'm going to keep thinking about that. Um, there's a couple. Of, there's so many I wanted to talk about that game, but we'll get into that later. Um, all right, so I'm thrilled because I've been, you know, my job is as hockey rumors, and honestly, no one's been talking to anybody forever. And and I sit back and I talk to people, and it's like, you know, I, it's why you know we have like all the things we've been talking about, like different things. But finally, finally, finally. I, this this week, you know, two things come: Hoffman to Montreal, and now this, um, which is which goes back. And I haven't, ta- I purposely have not talked to um, Mike about this trade yet, this rumor, because I didn't want to. I, I wanted to save it for here. Because he didn't want to get shot down, but okay. No, I just wanted to save it for here. Okay. No, I didn't. I didn't want to. And I, I also, purpose, you know, I've purposely not looked at it. Remember, remember very clearly now that I don't, I I don't um I don't. I report rumors, not what I think are going to happen. So I right. might not agree with this trade as well, but rumor, but this is just what it is. All right. So what I was told was that the back at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. um, the Leafs had some discussions with the Sabres around Rasmus Ristolainen. And I was a little bit, you know, and that's not surprising. I mean, it does. He's a right, he's a right defenseman, big guy. Mm-hmm. He does fit. Yep. I mean, there's no question if the Leafs, adra- if Leafs had drafted him, they would be happy with him and he would be on their team. Mm-hmm. So, so they had, but during that, during those discussions at the trade deadline, there were two teams that talked to Buffalo. One was trying to get a deal done that at the trade deadline and the Leafs were more or less saying, we can't do it now because we got to clear cap space out and that's going to take out players that, from our team that we think are key components right now, but we're going to have a lot of money in the summer. Who knows what's going to happen with Tyson Barry, things like that. So the, the Leafs and Leafs and Sabres were doing like speculative stuff towards the summer. And now those discussions have started again, and what? And because the Sabers right now are already in, they're in off-season mode, right? They're done. And you know, and here's another thing as a side note: we might see some trades during the summer before with the bottom seven teams. But yeah, by the bottom seven teams, or if one of, or if say like the Leafs were to get knocked out, and right? They, you know, they could they, half, the, half the league will be out of the playoffs. So yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, after the first round, more than half the league is done, right? So. Always the case. So as you see it now, this is um. So the the deal is, um, there's a couple draft picks, and I was confused and I'm sorry I got the wrong dates wrong because he was the guy was I went back and checked his text out. Basically, it's a um, it's two third round picks. Go to um the oh. lead. No wait, I'm sorry. Guys. Okay, then let me just let me just get, just get through the players. Just, just, the yeah, I was gonna say just see mid round picks or, or they're, they're third and fourth. One might be a second, but yeah, that's where we are. Okay, so okay, the um, the players involved are Rasmus um, Ritzelainen heading to Toronto for Alex Kerfoot and and Andreas Johnson. Right, these are the two guys we're looking at. Okay. Um, and that is and and then there are some draft picks involved. Um, the Leafs. The Leafs get the better of the draft picks in the deal. I was I told, see that. Um, but you know, not by a lot, but a little bit. Like the Leafs might get two picks, where the Sabers get one, kind of thing. Third, fourth round picks, right around there. And they're over a couple of years. They're not like immediate. One of them might be this draft, but most of them are in future drafts. All right. So this is this this deal though. It makes some sense on both sides. I think it does. Sure. You know, um, what do you think, Mike? Okay. Um... Here, okay. Here's the the sense. 
the Leafs are losing Barry. They're not going to re-sign him. That's one right-hand defense defenseman. They're not re-signing Cody CC. That's another right-hand defenseman. And right now, the top two right-handed defensemen for next year are Timothy Lilligren, who has about 12 games of NHL experience, and Justin Hall, who they like, who they just signed to an extension. Right. Okay, so that may, that makes sense. Right. Um, Lanen would fit in because they've they've needed somebody who from the right side who plays physical. And he would do that. It also makes sense on the Toronto perspective because they have actually have too many forwards uh, when it comes to the expansion draft. And with Janssen and Kerfoot, if they trade, and the, the money would almost be a balance because Kerfoot makes 3.5, Janssen makes 3.4. They're both under contract, I think, for another three years. That would give Buffalo – uh, cost certainty and players locked in, which is important for them because they can't get anybody to sign in Buffalo unless they're overpaid. So that that gives them three years of security. And with the Leafs, that would you know make it more reasonable. They would have um, seven forwards to protect in the expansion draft: Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, Marner, uh, Kapanen, Hyman, and one other. So that would it, it, there is where it would make sense right. where doesn't and i think this is important is the buffalo sabers will never ever ever trade anyone of value to the toronto maple leafs for one simple reason if they do and that player is good if you think terry and kim pagula are getting buried now for their incompetence it will be 10 times worse but clearly botterell was trading for his job so right. at that point he doesn't care Right. 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 I'm okay. going to give you credit, though, Mike. You haven't gone over the edge about Kerfoot because this does make sense for Buffalo because it yes. does give them that other center they need. Yeah. And like you said, Kerfoot's perfect fit for I was told yeah, that no. Kruger, Kruger is 100 percent in on Kerfoot. That's what I was told. The main the main thing in him is he got he wants Kerfoot in this. Team. And 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 see, the, the leaf, the Leafs do have some center depth. I, I believe that they believe Pierre Engvall can play center. They mm -hmm. really like Adam Brooks, who played most of the year with the Marlies. So they believe you know, Jason Spezza will be there for another year. They they love the, the fact he has on the team. So there's yeah. there's center depth there that if they do trade a Kerfoot. They, they can survive it. Where I think the problem is from the Toronto perspective is that right now, going into the expansion, not everything is the expansion draft, but they have to think going ahead about this. They have Morgan Riley under contract for two more years. They just re-signed Jake Muzzin. And then Ristolainen would be the third guy that you would protect. That means that both Travis Dermott, who they like a lot, and Justin Hall are exposed in the expansion draft. That would mean that they would have to give up something to Seattle, right? To get them to not take those guys or right. take one they yeah. And there's where I don't know. Other than I mean, even if they take either one of them, Mike, it is not setting the leaps back to the point where you have to worry. No, and and all their yeah, I wouldn't give them anything. I would just let them pick. And this is the kind of thing the Leafs have to do. I mean, they need they need to move forwards out to get a defender. Like yeah, this, yeah. this is what they had to. And, and so, and I just got a text, Mike, from somebody that is in is in the league. We know well, but I'll tell you where this later. He mm -hmm. said, "Tell Mike this. <laughs> <laughs> he's right that the saber. He's right that the Sabers won't trade a player that they like to the Leafs. But remember that word. Not that they, they like." like. Not that they like that that is va that is valuable. And that they don't that they think 
that the Sabres don't think Ristolainen is all that he's cracked up to be. Okay, and, and that, that may be may, they, that may very well be the case. But what I'm saying yeah. is the potential blowback, and Russ, back me on this. The potential blowback if Ristolainen has been sort of like a you know mm-hmm. this that type of defenseman, you know, a lot of potential, but nothing. If he puts it all together, he gets traded to Toronto and he has a 50-55 point season with 100 penalty minutes and plays 25 minutes a night and is kick-ass and is a Norris Trophy candidate, you, you may as well move the Sabres to Quebec City. That's how much of an embarrassment. Yeah, no question. And, and that's why this this trade may have saved Botterill's job, but he didn't get it done. Right. Well, I don't think it was possible at that point because yeah, at that point because it was the, the Leafs basically said, yeah, we're not giving you curfew because the playoffs, like the playoffs are coming up, and we're you know we're going to do this. And right now they are, and they have Barry, and they've got they've got they what pieces they need. I mean, the idea here is this guy replaces Barry for them. You know, this is like this right. is better, and it's an upgrade on Barry, and they see that as like as not just an upgrade, but like a much better defensive player than Barry is. Now they can't make this trade because Barry's going to be a free agent. Yeah, you're talking about a potential shutdown pairing of Muzzin and Ristolainen if this deal is made. That's pretty damn good. That's That's good. And that that put that this trade puts the Leafs like in a in an actual serious would have put this deal. No, 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 that that I I don't think it's a would have thing. I think that this deal will put if this deal happens. We're not going to trade and get Tyson Barry knowing that they have no, to No, 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 no. Barry's not in the deal. No, I, but I, this, saying, Barry's gone. Like I'm saying this, 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 Barry. this is the thing that I'm skeptical of. Say, say, oh yeah, let's just say that what you've been told, what the rumor is, is valid and this is a, has a potential of having, of happening. This is the last type of deal that Kevin Adams in his first move as a Sabres general manager makes because this exposes him to the potential of being ripped to shreds if it turns out badly. Not initially, Mike, and that's the thing. Initially, Sabres fans would be very excited about it, and there'd be a lot of talk about it, and so initially that wouldn't happen. So I think there's a chance he would make this deal, but – who no, gonna- I'm, not saying, I'm not saying he wouldn't make it. I'm saying it has the potential for him to be ridiculed and ripped to shreds if it doesn't turn out. He, he the Russ, the type of deal that Adams needs to make as his first move is something that's low risk, something that's high reward but low risk, like trading a draft pick to Tampa Bay for Tyler Johnson. Because okay, they have- my, my guy again, Mike, my guy again, who signs himself should have been nom- can't nominate myself. He signs himself, signs himself as that. He says. Um, <laughs> we'll get this guy on as a guest. Um, he says, um, "He says, ask Mike if people in Buffalo like people who don't want to be there." Well, I mean, that's been that's been the case with Ristolainen for years. Yeah, I, 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 so I, when you're trading him away, does he get a lot? Does he get a lot of yeah, heat? But, trading but, away hey, that he doesn't want to be there anyway. Just, just like Jamal Adams with the Jets, Russ. The thing that the problem mm-hmm. is is great. The player doesn't want to be there, but you have to get value for him. Right. And, yeah. Oh, here we go. Trade on. Ask Mike, Mike about the fact that the Leafs might be trading away some serious players here too. To a the only the to, only problem to, with this act, basically saying like this, like you are, you are, yeah, you are making the Leafs better potentially. Yeah, so well, you I'm not going to say that. and making yourself better, so it, I, it goes both ways. The only, been, the only I, problem with this is with the Sabers' defensive pairings. You're now moving either McCabe or Yoki Haro up to a second pairing, and that's not good. Yeah, and and you know they, they have the defensive depth within the organization with Borgen with a few, a few other yeah, young guys. Little spots, but they're but but after the number three spot, even yeah. really after number two, it's going to be Montour and either McCabe and Yokihara. That is not defensively. I'm saying 
Defensively, yeah. it is not a great pair. They they love they do love Yokoharu. They do love. Yeah, some but he's not great defensively. No, he's, no, he's not. He's got a bomb of a shot, and he skates really well. But the problem is, so you probably put him with McKay, but then you're putting Montour on the third pairing because he's defensively he's been deficient and, since he's been there. And and I'll and I'll say this about and, and and you know Kyle Dubas has to think a couple years down the road with every with every move he makes. Right. If you trade for Ristolainen, and you have. Ristolainen and Morgan Riley becoming UFAs in the same year, and right. Rasmus Sandin's contract coming up in the uh, uh, coming off his entry level. If 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 I, I'll tell you right now, if they're spending money on somebody two years from now, it's going to be Riley and not Ristolainen. So basically, what you're trading is a couple forwards for a two-year rental in Ristolainen. Depending, depending, Mike. It, let's say, let's say you know. Everything you've been saying comes true, and the Leafs get demolished in this first round of the playoffs. Then they, they, have might to make nuclear, they might go nuclear in the offseason because they realize, okay, we're I, going down a bad path here. And I continue to say, and I, I, until I'm proved wrong, I will continue to say it, that if, if they do go nuclear, as you describe it, it's not going to be a move like – Kerfoot and Janssen. First of all, Janssen would be bigger than that. Yeah, Janssen's coming off an ACL injury, so I mean, he'll probably be fine. But he's coming off an ACL injury, so his value is down. Even though he's had he had a really good rookie year, yeah. and Kerf, Kerfoot had an uh, underachieved in his first year in Toronto. Their values are down slightly. Yeah. If you're going to trade somebody and you're going to get an impact defenseman, the guy you trade is William Nylander because right. he had his best year as a right, that's what I think the nuclear part is what I'm yes. talking about I think then that comes into play because then and then again if somehow the Sabres want to get in on William Nylander because they think they can make him a center then oh. maybe that's where this trade goes and I would highly doubt that the that the Buffalo Sabres after their experience with his younger brother are going to trade for William Nylander I know but they're so desperate for a center. If somebody in that organization believes he could go back and play the center position, then I think this trade is possible with different partners. Ristolainen yeah. would be in it. Nylander would be in it. And you would just be adding other things. I could see that. I could see that. I could see it. Um, well, it's an interesting one. I think, I, I think um, you know, and it it is the kind of trade to me. You don't have to go. The Leafs should not be going nuclear. Like they, they, they are. If they get bounced early in this, they should because their defense isn't good enough, and they've spent way too much money on their top forwards to be able to survive the next two or three years yeah. with a defense that's this lousy. And they're not. They're not moving Tavares. They're not moving Matthews, and they're not moving Marner. So the next logical play, inter player, in terms of they do they need that difference making defenseman? Yes. Is Kristalina right. a difference-making defenseman? I think he is, but not in the level. Like, if you're trading Nylander, you're not trading him for Kristalina. You're trading him for somebody. Well, I mean, again, you don't know what the cap's going to be like. They may be willing to do it to get out of the cap. And the, money, the monies are comparable. But, right. you know, the monies are comparable in, in Kerfoot and Janssen. Yeah, remember, too. there's still upside with Kristalina. I mean, don't – Sure. The numbers you see in Buffalo could be much better somewhere else. I mean, right. we should all look at that and realize that – that's probably the case. If oh, nothing, yeah. Even if they change his role and make him more of a physical guy who's going to get some points, that still helps the Leafs because, again, if they had, the Leafs had three Jake Muzzins, they'd be fine. But Jake Muzzin wasn't enough of a difference maker to solidify their entire defensive problem. That's the problem. And unlike a couple of years ago, uh, 
Russ. The Leafs do have young guys on their bottom pairing that I think yeah. are have upside potential to be top four. I think Sam to be a, a middle pairing guy for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. All right. Uh, let's get let's move on to Tampa. I'd like to do that today. Okay. okay. You know we don't we give him. I know it's I know it's one fifty nine. We'll give him ten minutes here and, and let's do this up. Okay. So um, because Tampa's a really interesting team. I mean, this is a team that obviously you know looking back. They have been waiting desperately to get back to the playoffs. Like there is hardly any motivation to play this regular season for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like they really, you can tell the way they feel. Like I mean, if you're a team that has like an epic season like they had last year, and you get bounced in the first round, you don't care about the regular season next year. You right. just you want to get you want to get ready for the playoffs. And for a while, the Tampa Bay Lightning played like they really didn't care about the regular well, season. The, the first two the first two months, they were a 500 team basically. And yeah, then, and they were really it was shocking how bad they were. But then they did find yes their way, and then and you know and immediately after that, they really started to pick up their game. To the point where they're one of the, they they have to be considered like one of the top three Stanley Cup contenders. Like to me, it's St. Louis, Boston, and Tampa. Those are the three teams that you look. I look at well, as the three cup contenders. Well, Russ, the, the the thing the thing I I look at with Tampa is you saw that Julian Brisebois, I think, said we're going for this because okay, they were one of the hottest teams in the league when the when the league was paused and and two weeks before at the deadline, not only did they trade a first round pick and a good prospect. Uh, in Cal Foot to get Blake Coleman, who's got another year in his contract, so it wasn't a rental. Yeah, they trade another first round pick to get Barkley Goudreau from from San Jose, and yeah. they take on Bogosian. Uh, they sign him uh, from uh, from Buffalo after he had his contract terminated. So they made moves that were like not desperate moves, but moves that were like we need to win now, um, this yeah. year and next year. They have their window isn't closing completely because they have a lot of depth in the organization, but they're going to have to pare down. And especially now when it comes right. to the cap being flat the next few years, you're going to probably see guys like Tyler Johnson and Kalorn or Yanni Gord playing someplace else. Yeah. I mean, I look when Stamkos goes back in, I guess like Mitchell Stevens goes out that, that makes their lineup again. So <laughs> good. I, I mean, crazy. I mean, we've always said three years to rest. They scratch players that other teams would. I know. Addition of Blake Coleman is great. You could play him second, third, or fourth right. line. They might even move him to the fourth line. Um, and then when they put Hedman back in, you know, Luke Shen's out of there because they were winning right. games with Luke Shen in there. Yes. Right. 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 <laughs> I mean, they, they, they have. Either. I mean, the reality is. You know, Luke Shen is might not be the greatest player in the NHL, but he's good enough that you put him around a great team, he's going to be fine. Yeah, he's a plug, and so Zach Bogosian. But you could rotate between who's who you deciding is going to play him or Bogosian. It almost doesn't matter. Everybody else that they have is so good. Now they're not rock solid defensively, their defensemen, but they all can move the puck very, very well, and that's that's what right. is good for them. And, and, and I, I I remember you saying this when we were talking about the lightning uh, maybe a few months ago mm. that, and I, and I think at that point there, it was, you know, it was looking like they were going to play Toronto in the first round. Cause that was the setup at that yeah. point. And we, we all observed the fact that Tampa still has a situation psychologically and that they're, they're still not recovered from that, that loss to Columbus. And they need to sort of have oh, a, yeah have a victory in the first round to sort of get past that, to maybe be the team that they were. Yeah. I they're, they're set up for that, but you know, does that, does that mean it's going to happen? No. I and then someone like Coleman sort of helps them because he's a different yes. voice and 
Bogosian maybe helps him because he's a different voice. And they added yeah. Patrick Maroon who won a cup last year. Yeah, Maroon won a cup last year. So that's really recent yeah, yeah. where you could say, all right, that's good. And then, you know, the other thing is, again, Sorelli is a weapon on the penalty kill. Like that's a guy that he's a top penalty killer and he's a top shorthanded goal scorer. So that's something where you look at it and you say, all right, you know, Tampa is going to be a tough team to face. The interesting right. thing is, though, um, Tampa in their penalty kill looks like they're about 15th, which yeah. is crazy. It should be better than that. Yeah. Because they have the goaltending they have, you know. I know. Here's, the, here's, the clue, here's the clue that you're going to see dramatic changes with this with their roster after this season because they traded JT Miller to clear $5 million in cap space. Uh, they did the right. draft last year. RFAs, Sorelli, Stevens, Sergachev, Cernak. Uh, that's going to cost you a bit of money. You're probably going to have to clear about $10 million in cap space to get all those guys re-signed. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, and that's Johnson and somebody else. So – and they're probably going to lose Shattenkirk. He was a one-year one-year UFA signing. You, you know, I doubt. I don't know if they'll sign re-sign Bogosian or or Shen. We don't know. But you know, they there's going to be some turnover there, and they do have depth in the organization. They've got some young guys coming, and that they'll they'll probably go that way. But they're going to have to clear out salary to sign the guys who they want to keep long term. Right. Right. No question about it. Um, all right. Let's look at some of the look at some of the matchups they have here. Um, well, again, the, one, the one thing I want to say yeah. is. And this is why their penalty kill should be good. Yeah. Um, the, the crazy thing is when when they're shorthanded, Vasilevsky's save percentage is a 922. But when they're on the power play, it's 847. So he's giving up goals while ten, he's giving up shorthanded goals. And here's the thing about and here's the reason I think that's and that's a weakness. Like I didn't realize he had that weakness. No, I've I've been doing this for a while, and I've been trying as far as there's this concept I've been playing around in my head for a while with goalies. Um, and the Vasilevsky, what is his what is his strong point? Like he is a side to side goalie, no great athletic ability, crazy athletic. Um, you know, you're not going to score off the rush, like on the rush. But if you're in the power plays are a different different game, right? Where your players are set up, you're driving shots, you're getting rebounds, you're trying to deflect, get deflections. That's really the way to beat Vasilevsky. And the bottom line, th th this should be a this should be a key to teams when they look at playing against Tampa because this is where you're going to beat them. Like it, it, the power play setup is not does not play to his strengths. It's more of a, it's more about angles. It's more about positioning. Um, that's he 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 depends so much on his quickness that he doesn't his positioning can be lapsed a little bit. And his playing deflections is not the greatest. Like as, and I've been told this you know before, and I think that this is this is the case. This is what you see. With the power play, because you're right. I mean, that save percentage with the power play doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I, and and so I'm looking it up now to see how many shorthanded goals. By the way, Mark Andre Fleury's given up the most this year, shorthanded Other? 34. I'd Harry say. Price second, Bennington third, Pekka Rene fourth. That's no surprise. Um, Vasilevsky is tied for fourth with Rene, Bernier, and and himself uh, with 31 shorthanded goals against. That is shocking to me. That to me is way more, way more um, of an indictment on Tampa, on the team in general. In front, uh, he's still giving them up, though. Giving them up, but you think about shorthanded goals tend to be one, two on a, two on ones, breakaways, three on one. You know. By the way, know, Freddie Anderson has given up thirty this year. Yeah, defense. I think teams that play more forwards on the point, you know, and stuff like that. Like you'll see that, like, like Tampa does that a lot. You know, that that's where you're going to have issues with. You know, the Leafs do that too. 
You're gonna have issues with um, most, most teams are using four forwards and one defenseman. But it, it depends how good that forward is. Um, Rask has only given up 23. So this is this is a weakness for Vasilevsky. It's definitely a weakness. Now a couple of their things. So against the teams that the, the top four teams, um, interesting little trend here with these them. Okay, so they're two and zero against Philly. Um, they're three and one against Boston. Um, they're zero and three against the Caps. Which is an interesting twist, you know, because the, the yeah. you know that the interesting thing about these top four teams is they all have teams that they're better against. Yeah, and they all have a nemesis. They all have their nemesis. The Caps, though, I went through going through like the entire thing. Um, Tampa's record against the teams that are in the playoffs is not the greatest. I mean, but then I went back and I said, okay, let's find this out from like say February first, you know, like or January first, like when they actually. I went yeah. through, January first. From January first till now, against the teams in the playoffs, they only lost twice. So they were, re- I mean, they, but before that, they were pretty horrible. I mean, they were, I mean, they're one and two against Toronto, and actually the two losses they had were both the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, yeah, the one thing I could tell you where I think Tampa has the edge when they play the Flyers is is their team speed. All yeah. four lines are faster than the Flyers. Like it's just yeah. the Flyers do have trouble with the foot speed that Tampa can bring, and and that's a that's a big problem. Now for them with Washington. Washington's a pretty fast club, and I think because Washington has good enough defensemen, I think that's probably – like Washington's defense is better than the Flyers. It doesn't matter what the record says or what the goal's against or whatever, but man-to-man, they're still better, and that's probably what helps them. And I think Vasil – we were talking about Vasilevsky before – he was a victim in the first two months. He, he his yeah. record his record was not good. His yeah. record since December first was twenty six and seven. Yeah, he's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, uh, now what's fascinating too is they are three let's and, throw that out the window now too because yeah, yeah true. But you know, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right, so that's you know that there are. Um, I mean, yeah, that one I can't explain because the Penguins yeah. defense is better. I'm not sure what the deep, the issue yeah, is. My first thought with the Capitals was this: you know, if you're if you're white, you know, if you're the Tampa or the Tampa Lightning, you think you're one of the best teams in the league. Like you have in your mind, when you go into every game, you should win every game. There's no question that Tampa thinks that way, and they should. I mean, they. I mean, what after what they did last year, they should. So when you're the best team in the league, you have to focus. Like your team, from a coaching perspective, has to focus on something that you're playing against. Like you have to focus on your team. So if you so you look up against like an Ovechkin or something like that, you know, if you if you focus on Ovechkin. You're gonna, you know, they're gonna say, okay, we got to stop Ovechkin. Well, you really don't. If you're Tampa, you just gotta, you just gotta, you're the team that's got to be stopped. You go out there and you play your game. If you focus on Ovechkin, that can throw you off your game. And I've seen that happen with teams a lot. You know, um, if the good teams tend to do that, but it, like you say, that falls apart when you know when they're looking at, you know, who they're with Pittsburgh. But the Pittsburgh games were, and the Pittsburgh games, which is fascinating about them, were Are they close games. Is that why? I'm gonna look up exactly what those were. Um, I'm gonna find that again. I think thought they were earlier in the season when I remember it. Um, they were, um, they beat Columbus the one time they played them, um, you know, talk about, you know, the fear that they had, but they, but they won in overtime. I mean, it was a two, one game and, you know, it was an important game, obviously for their psyche, um, having been in that spot before. Right. But they, it was a two, one game. Um, so that's, that's interesting there. They, um, they're four and over against Montreal, three and one against Florida. So they've had, you know, no trouble with those teams. Um, one and two against the Islanders. One and two against the Rangers. Yeah. One, one and two against Carolina. So it's it, but these games again were early in the season, um, most of them, because you know, when you get to the end of the season, so they're they have their issues, um, for sure. 
and they're not you know they weren't perfect against these but when but the prop the thing is like i said the regular season if you're tampa this year you know that there was no motivation for it and i really do agree with mike that i like the moves they made at the trade deadline like they they didn't screw around they 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 fixed a couple of small things and they already were so they already were so ridiculously solid right i think you're right uh, so uh, like we did with boston yesterday predict where you think they're going to they're going to end up yeah this to me is um i have a tough time seeing them not you know going to the, the either being a conference final or a cup champion which is the same thing i said about boston so i guess i'm saying i'm going to see boston and tampa boston, tampa yeah you know, and it's and that, but those two teams do seem to me so much ahead of everybody else. Well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm going to stick with my original preseason prediction, and I think Washington is going to take out Tampa. Well, I will offer this. I will offer this. The fact they play them. the fact that their training camp facilities have been shut down and now opened up again. You know, um, there's been a number of distractions. You know, yeah, but we uh, yeah, we don't know we don't know which players have been tested positive. They have they think I think they said it was three. I, I have a feeling they'll they'll get past the first round, but I think they'll probably lose in the round of eight. So I think they'll get they'll lose in the second round. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it, to me, it, it so much depends on you know what you're going to get out of their other uh, stars, right? Sure. It's, if their stars show up, I mean, they they've, there's so many things about this. I definitely don't like them against Washington. I don't. That um, is a big issue. And they, they probably wanted to – you know they wanted to play Washington in the first round. Right. So, you know, there's that. I mean, now a couple of quick things about them. Goal scoring, um, number one in the league, 243 goals. Um, and uh, number two in the league, Toronto, 237. So Yeah, but they got to do it in the playoffs, and they didn't do it last yeah, year. Yeah, no question. Goals against, though, um, they were – uh, not the, they're right in the middle, like 194. So they were, but it, that, the, the first two months were bad. Yeah, the first two months killed them with that. I give I give my second on that. Special teams, um, like you said, Russ, earlier, their yeah. uh, the power play was fifth overall. Yeah. You know, and they're shorthanded. They, shorthanded, they were, um, let's see, they're like 15 or something. Well, yeah, yeah, they should be better than that. Um, yeah, good, Mike. We have a couple breaking things before we end the show. Okay. Uh, one is one is on the on the funnier side, especially for our ongoing uh, situation with Seattle and the fact that they haven't revealed their name. Uh, Elliot Friedman reports that Amazon's Jeff Bezos has bought the naming rights for the arena, the Seattle Arena, <laughs> and he's going to call it Climate Pledge Arena. But they don't have a team name yet, so the right. arena has got a name before he does. But they, they, all right, as an animal lover, Russ, there's such an obvious thing here. Okay, um, they got it, it's got the arena's got to be called the rainforest. They just called the climate. Oh, pledge he's, called, he's called the climate pledge because he's pledged like two billion dollars to for climate change in the United States. That's climate right. pledge arena. Climate yep. pledge arena. I like it. No, I like it. I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm anything for climate. I'm yeah, not, I mean, considering yeah. he didn't do it, Amazon, and he did that. I give him a lot of credit for that. Now, now, Jeff, come on, you know, give some money to advertise on the Hockey Buzzcast. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, the other, the other thing, uh, Pierre Lebrun is reporting. That was a good pitch, Jack. Yeah, 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 we'll get him every time. <laughs> We're supporting him every day here. That's all I have to say, Jeff. Again, I'm going to every day coming in here. Pierre, Le Pierre Lebrun is reporting that with Vancouver as a hub city, their bid hitting a snag. Uh, apparently, it has to do with the 
health authorities in British Columbia. Sources confirm that the NHL has commenced more detailed conversations with Edmonton and Toronto yep. uh, for the, the Canadian hub city. According to him, LA and Chicago are backups to the Canadian hub cities, that it's Vegas and a Canadian city, and that Chicago and LA are only backups if the Canadian hub city does not turn out. Vegas just changed some rules, some laws, um, because of what the pandemic that's happening here um, that I heard this morning could throw a monkey wrench into this for the NHL. Um, something I think that they, they changed their mask wearing thing to like a mandatory. There's just a couple of things because Vegas is because I I think well, Texas just did that. I know that I, I, Vegas did too, uh, or Nevada did too. I think that um, I mean I don't know that this it, it, how that's going to change things, but it could. I mean, and I think that. The NHL, like the way things are going with the pandemic, I would be freaking terrified to go to Vegas right now. I don't know. I don't get it how they're not, you know. Well, if they're in a bubble, I think you don't have to worry about the general population, especially if they're in a sold out hotel, like they're not selling to the public. Then I yeah. think that alleviates a lot of fears. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll say it. But I, I and I, I do think I think Edmonton is a great place to do it. I think that makes tons it's just of sense. boring. Yeah, but that's see that that that's the problem. The, John Tavares in a recent conference call said that amenities, yeah, are an issue that they want some place where they can do stuff on days in between. They don't want to be sitting in their hotels. In the yeah, John Tavares, if, if you've never noticed, must be, is definitely the most exciting player. Yeah, I, I know. And if he wise and but, but, but Russ, I mean, he's he's reflecting he's reflecting what the rank and file are asking for. So, like, yeah, I don't think he's looking for many amenities. No, but, yeah, and and California is having issues right now with COVID too. That's another thing. Yeah, LA. I mean, I think Chicago. I'm. I think Toronto. I, I, I do think Toronto's got a good shot at it. I really do. No, Toronto I, has a great shot at it. I didn't think at it in the beginning, but I didn't think They're that was going to keep Mike out. But they have a good shot. I mean, obviously the NHL is super comfortable there, right? I mean, they yep. they, they held the World Cup of Hockey there. They're that, more comfortable if I'm not there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it, it would be it's so easy. It's so ridiculously easy for the for the rights holder, you know, for Sportsnet to go it there. Is. Yeah. I mean, you know, not that it much matters because we're all going to be virtually doing everything anyway. But yeah, yeah I think that I don't know. They, they, it made Toronto makes too much sense. I really Don Cherry could do games again. I'm still waiting for them to say Vegas is out. Like I'm, I'm waiting. For, I'm waiting for that to come. I think that I think a lot of people. What what I feel like is happening right now with Vegas, and I've been in the rumor world for you know such a long time. Is this is what happens sometimes if you go all in on a rumor. Like in Vegas, it was a very strong rumor. Like it was very strong that it was going to be the case. Um. Like I've I've gotten used to the fact that things change so quickly that you know I can go all in on a rumor, but like say hey things change you know, some people are always afraid to like they they went like the mainstream media they go so far into it that they're like they're not going to change until it's actually been eliminated. But I can tell you that Vegas is losing ground. It's not like you can't just sit there and continually say it is the favorite. It's just not anymore. Really, it's back in the pack right now. It well, really see, is. I think they want. I think they want to announce it in the ne probably in the next three or four days. We heard it was going to be by Friday, so uh, right. But but the, the lottery is tomorrow, so yeah, I don't know about the lottery tomorrow. Yeah, I'll bet yeah, you. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be Monday. Monday. Early, so be Monday. Probably Monday. Yeah, you're right. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. Um, we will be back again tomorrow um, because that's the way we do things around here, Monday through Friday. 
Remember, folks, without the buzz, it is just how Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.